The lesson comes from Psalm 119, beginning at verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel is written in chapter 18 of Luke, beginning at verse 1. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually wear me out with all her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. For a parable that um, tells you precisely what it means in its opening verse, I've always found this one to be tricky to understand. It is a parable Well, yes, spoken to encourage persistence in prayer. The question, though, is, is persistence the key to the granting of any and every prayer? Is that the point? Or to put it another way, my question is, what exactly is being promised here 
what would a life that is lived in line with this parable look like? And the answer, I think, is that it would be a life that yearns for the coming of God's kingdom. Yearns for the coming of God himself, indeed. Being convinced that only God can establish heaven on earth. It would be a life, I think, that is neither comfortable with the status quo of our world, nor complicit in it. It would be a life that cuts against the grain of our world as it lives the life of the world to come. And out of that life of the world to come cries out for God's justice to be brought to this world, cries out day and night. In fact, paradoxically, in in some senses, it is the end of the parable rather than its opening which helps me most to discern its meaning. Jesus says, Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Verse 8, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly, or could equally be suddenly. However, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The context of the parable, you see, is the return of Christ and the coming of his kingdom. In fact, if you flick your eyes back to the end of Luke 17, that's precisely what Jesus has been talking about. The context is the return of Jesus to establish justice, hence the judge motif in the parable. The point of the parable, then, I think, is that we should be conscious of, always conscious of, the differences between our world and the world to come. To have not grown comfortable with, or heaven forbid, complicit in, the injustices of our world. Comfortable with the sufferings that are borne by those who seek to live God's agenda. And... Out of that consciousness of the differences between our world and the world to come, people who cry out for God's return and for the vindication of those who are living in the light of God's kingdom. And we're to cry out to God day and night, confident that God is unlike the judge in the parable, where the judge in the parable considers the widow to be quite inconsequential, God considers us to be, did you notice, his chosen ones. It's the language of concern and commitment. Uh, Where the judge is burdened by the widow's pleas, God, of course, invites us to plead to him day and night. That is precisely what he's doing in this parable. Where the judge answers out of self-preservation, God will answer for the preservation of many. The Bible, uh, as you are undoubtedly aware, closes with this magnificent glimpse of the coming kingdom of God in the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation closes with this promise of Jesus, I am coming soon. And the very final words, or almost the final words of the book of Revelation, are the ongoing appropriate response of the church to that promise. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That, I think, is the prayer that is in view, essentially, in this parable. That is the prayer that, in a sense, underpins and informs 
all others that we pray. We pray in the present, and our prayers in the present are shaped by the future coming kingdom of God, and are prayed in anticipation of the future coming kingdom of God. And I want to say, too, that this is not the prayer of spectators. We pray this prayer out of the inevitable battle that those who are citizens of that coming kingdom must now wage against all that is now currently out of sync with it. We pray as those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We pray as those who care for the oppressed. We pray as those who promote justice for the benefit of the marginalized. We pray, come, Lord Jesus, and bring your kingdom to bear on this situation and that situation, even as we await the full and final coming of the kingdom. It's a point that has been well made, but bears making again, that an eternal perspective and uh, prayers rooted in an anticipation of the coming kingdom of God is not the road to escapism. It is the root of engagement. C.S. Lewis puts it so well in Mere Christianity. He says this, A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. See, it's as we engage with this world seeking to bring the values and the virtues of God's kingdom to bear, it is then that we most bump up against its injustices. It is then that we find ourselves at odds with so many of the ways of this world. And it's that engagement that is the catalyst of the heart's cry for justice day and night. The final verse is then both a comfort and a challenge. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The comfort then is that the promise is here, I think, not only the justice of God to come, but grace today for the battle as we work in the light of Christ's kingdom and his coming justice. The challenge, will we continue to feel that dislocation or will we become comfortable in our world and with our world? Will Jesus find faith when he comes, by which I think he means, will he find his people living in the light of his coming kingdom, yearning for his coming kingdom, uncomfortable with this world as it is and yearning for the coming kingdom and justice of God? Will he find us modeling his just kingdom 
and crying out for its establishment. Or will he find us, as one writer put it, comfortable with the world, captivated by its ephemeral attractions? Those who have committed to live in anticipation of his kingdom, committed to the transforming of our communities in the light of his kingdom, crying out for Christ's coming and the establishment finally of his kingdom, well, the promise is they will see the Son of Man and the establishment of his justice quickly established, and they will rejoice. Father, we pray simply this, that you would give us the grace to continue to fill the differences between our world and the world to come, to continue to rail against current injustices and to seek by your grace to model something and work for something of the kingdom to come in our own communities and to be those who look expectantly and hopefully for the final and full coming and consummation of your kingdom at the return of Christ. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.